Hey everybody, this is Chad Jordan. I'm the Director of Marketing for Digital Services here at Sport Clips. Have a very special Hall of Fame episode today, and you'll see why as it unfolds. But uh, before we get there, I, I want to welcome today's guest. If I could have her say uh, both her name and the store that she is uh, ma uh, co-managing right now. My name is Shane and NJ204, Mays Landing, New Jersey. So she's a Jersey girl. I'm here at the Jersey Shore area. Um, and today's podcast is going to be a series that we're going to do called Survive in Advance, which is if anybody follows college basketball, it's, uh, it goes with the, uh, the March and April tournament. It doesn't matter how a team wins. They just have to win and keep moving on survive in advance becomes the motto. And uh, so what we're going to be looking at through the series of these upcoming podcasts is people that have overcome adversity, especially in the realms of addiction. And Shane is one of my heroes. I've heard her story a time or two. Uh, we're social media buddies, and, and she I've drawn encouragement from her. So when uh, when we found out we were going to both be uh, near the same place at the same time, we realized this would be a perfect opportunity to check in on her, uh, on her recovery, on her story a little bit. And we're hoping that people will draw strength from this and find uh, sources of inspiration. Maybe maybe you know someone who needs to get clean, who needs help, who needs to, to recover, or maybe you yourself are that, and you're looking for just that extra little oomph to get going. So that's why we have Shane in here today. So thank you, Shane, for being here. Of course. Uh, before we get to some, oh, by the way, I just want to put this out here. This is probably an adults uh, only kind of session. <laughs> if you got kids and you're listening in the car, we might talk about some things that they might not want to be, you might not want them getting exposed to yet. But uh, speaking of children, uh, I've, I've got three and you've got a couple, two, uh, two, two boys little, two, and I was going to say little, but one of them, one's 12, yeah, Revan and like Gannon is three. And uh, it feels like they are, uh, they're your, they literally are your son. Your, your earth orbits around these guys, yeah. from what I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're at the center of everything uh, that you do. And uh, so I, I love that. I love your passion as a mom for them. So how is it uh, being a mom and managing and handling? You, you just moved into a, a new home recently and all this stuff. How, how's it going, your motherhood and your career at Sport Clips? How, how's all that going, first and foremost? Uh, it's all about balance. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I work a lot of overtime, you know, some weeks, uh, we're short staffed or, you know, the manager is the one that steps up. So, and the I, most requested stylist <laughs> at her store, his or her store usually. So yeah, yeah you yeah. line out the door usually. Um, so I, my kids are my world, but I don't have anything to support them without my job. Mm -hmm. So I'm also passionate about the work that I do. And my clients are like my friends, my family. I look forward to seeing them every day. And um, it's just balance. You have to make time for everything. Yeah. Schedule. And, and I have a village that helps a yeah, lot. Yeah, you do. You've got a great, a great uh, store, team yeah. members. You've yeah. got a co-manager. Yeah. Uh, shout out. She's with me, Lauren. Okay. Shout out to Lauren. And can you speak a little bit before we get into some of the uh, tougher questions here, a little bit about the relationship with your team leader and uh, how that kind of plays into the balance that you've been able to find? Um, she's definitely like my second mom. She 
from I I got hired before the store was open, which I didn't even know when I got hired. I was like, all right, when do we start? And she's like, well, we're building it. <laughs> like, oh, OK. Yeah. But we I always say we grew up in sport clips together. Like she knows way more about business than maybe I ever will. But I just draw strength from her and I learn from her. And she is she a stylist by trade or no? No, she's an accountant <laughs> uh, by trade. Okay. Sorry, we didn't mean to laugh at you, Margie. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> That's her her favorite lines when it's full and she can't help. She tells the clients, "I'm sorry, I can't cut uh... hair. I can't cut hair." Um, but she is there through everything. She's been to uh, my wedding. She's come to my housewarming parties. She watches my kids. She's not just my boss, mm -hmm. for sure. I, I, I don't think she just watches your kids. I think she spoils your <laughs> yeah, kids. Yeah, I've seen pictures of her uh, being at the beach. You've yeah. been working. They're at the beach. Yeah. They're at amusement parks together. It yeah. seems like they. Uh, it's a really close bond. So yeah. That's so sweet, so yeah. special to see. Definitely. I'm blessed. I'll never leave. I told her today because we were talking about passwords and people leaving. And I said, I'm retiring from sport yeah. clips. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. So no, that's, it's, it's great that you guys have such a connection. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, so let's get into the, the story a little bit. Cause you're, um, we, we won't say your age, you're in your thirties. Uh, <laughs> you, you say you're not a millennial, but I would disagree. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, looking back, first of all, do you ever think you'd be here? You'd be alive at this stage in your life. That no. You'd be flourishing in a career. No. Uh, so why not? Tell me a little bit about your story, about your background, about what you've come from. Um, come I, I, I've been through a lot of things, but the thing that I thought would take me was definitely heroin. Mm -hmm. I was addicted for about, I'd say, give or take five years. Wow. Um, solid. Before that, dabbling. Um, I've been clean for seven years now, so... There's a lot of people. That what's what's the what's the date that that you celebrate every year? July eighth. Um, okay. Two thousand. Okay. okay. But that's that's your anniversary. July 8th That's your, is, yeah. your sober July anniversary date. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah. And um, so back uh, so now we're looking twelve years ago, right? So it was five yeah. five years addicted. Yeah. Seven. Right years after sober. I had my first son, I started okay. taking pain pills. Okay. So that was what that was going to be my question. What uh, you know, without getting into all the details, yeah. what was the trigger? What, you know? Um, I had taken them before. You know, I was a partier. I grew up in the woods. We hung out in barns and drank and got, you know, just whatever we had. We mm -hmm. had, for most people, that's, that's experimenting and that's fun. And that's what it was until it wasn't. After I had, thank you. After I had um, my first son, I had a lot of back pain and... Somebody gave me uh, some pills and that I had never had before, and they, were they were they prescription pills that they had given? They were you not or? my prescription, but okay. they were right. somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. were somebody. So at the time, you're able to justify. Well, I I can take these. They're, yeah. they're just pain meds. And I had taken them before mm -hmm. here and there. Mm -hmm. uh, I had been prescribed them after I had my son too from the hospital. Um, and then it was take one, you feel good. Um, take one the next day, you feel good. Take one the next day, you feel good. And the next day you wake up and you don't have any more and you're sick. Yeah. Yeah. So it progressed from there. Sick and sick of the thought of I, I need something to get me through this. Yeah. Because uh, you feel so good when you're taking them. Mm -hmm. So then when you don't have them, you don't know how to feel good without them. Yeah. This big void and mm -hmm. pain. The pain's intensified. Right. Yeah. It's like worse. Your body can't produce it anymore. Right. You kind of run it ragged. 
So obviously you don't go from pain pills to heroin uh, overnight. No. So can can you walk us through what what that journey was like? Maybe the signs that you should have. Now looking back, you're like, man, I'm such a knucklehead. Mm-hmm. Why didn't I see that? But but take take us through that journey of getting from the pain pills. Now, you, like you said, you don't have one. So it, it, and then that 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 road to heroin addiction. Um, so I was taking pills for a couple years. I would stop for a little bit. Um, they were just so accessible then. Were they affecting any part of your life? Like uh, When I was taking the pills, I hit it really well. I was a stay-at-home mom. So I was going to say, were you, you weren't yeah, a stylist at this I didn't, point in your life? I still was cutting hair. I've been okay. licensed for 14 years. Okay. I, went, I did it while I was in high school. But after I had my son, I stayed home. Um, his father wanted me to. So I didn't have to worry about not showing up to work. So that mm-hmm. didn't get affected. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't live with my parents anymore. I was able to maintain uh, functionality and just hide it. Uh, I was super mom, super wife, not wife at the time, but yeah. you know, I was taking care of everything because I had all this energy from the pills. Now and you, you say you were hiding it very well in, in retrospect. Were you, did other people say, we, listen, we, we knew you had a problem. We just didn't know how to confront I you. I think or? in the beginning, maybe the first year or two, I, I was able to hide it cause I didn't really see my family too much. Like mm-hmm. it was just family events or whatever. So I'm sure my son's father's mom, who I live with, knew something was going on. But if you were to have asked me then, no way, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. Like I thought I was going to be able to take them forever. And so that you, was, you didn't see a problem at I the did time. Not, you no. thought this is how I'm going to cope with yeah. this pain. Yeah. And I can, I can manage this. Yeah, because I was good at life quote unquote at the time so I thought like all right I found the answer like this is how I'm gonna be okay are doctors prescribing them or are you still getting them from a secondary source I would get a lot of different prescriptions um um stimulants yeah stimulants uh downers pain pills uh and then you know of course off the street as well Mm -hmm. um and then I used to make fun of junkies as I called them yeah and would oh my god I would never ever do that that's gross you know that's street drugs like I wouldn't do that uh I did get clean for a little while and I met an ex um and he was not recovering but not using and he introduced me to heroin and he was so doing was it. That, was that really your first introduction to a hard drug? I was... had tried it one time before, way back in my experimental like high school. Yeah. Then I didn't like it at mm-hmm. all. So mm-hmm. that was the first time that I had done that mm-hmm. with him. And what what about it this time uh, convinced you this is, needs to be part of my life? Probably because I was used to the feeling I got from pills, and it it was close. It mimicked okay. that. Yeah, and you're you're chasing that next. Yeah. Buzz is the wrong word when it when it comes to that kind it of changes, stuff. It changes it changes the paths in your brain. Yep. Once you're addicted to it, you know the paths just cross each other, and the chemicals change, and it feels right. It's it's not a joke, uh, but it, in my household, it's well known. I love me some Mountain Dew, <laughs> and so we will often talk about think how hard it is for me to go one day without. 
it almost impossible. Yeah. I crave it. Yeah. Uh, the taste. I, I, I feel like uh, how far away am I from my nearest <laughs> 7-Eleven or a uh, refrigerator that, that has Mountain Dew? <laughs> yeah. So it, uh, is that what addiction is like? Is it a part of yeah. is it panic? Like if you can't get your hands on it. Oh, my God. Um, like multiply what you feel probably by right. a million. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's there's no there's no way to describe it without having gone through it. Yeah. You don't. There's no question you're going to get it. What what are what were now looking back? What were the signs that you're getting in too deep? Um, I got arrested. That was first. Like, hello, I'm doing uh, something arrest, wrong. Arrest? Okay. Uh, uh, arrested while uh, <clears throat> while shooting up while buying. While I what? wasn't. I actually got arrested right before I started doing heroin, okay. I got arrested with a pharmacy in my purse. Oh, all okay. different kinds okay. of pills. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also doing meth at that time. So I was really, really, really crazy and doing stupid things in a public place, actually um, less than a mile away from where I work now. So I had... Um, Whoa, do you drive by that ever uh, I was at route? the tanning salon. I still, I don't tan uh, anymore, but I uh, have gone there after. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I got clean where I used. So, wow. um, so I got arrested and I got put on PTI, pretrial intervention. It's a gift from the courts. If you complete it, you don't have anything on your record. If you mess up, you're screwed, mm-hmm. which is what I did. Okay. I used, I, I got clean, started using heroin knowing that I was going to probably that was get chasing caught. you the whole time. Yeah, you're, you're looking over your shoulder, knowing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I, you know, diluted drug tests. Um, I got away with it for a while. My older son's father called Dyfus, so I had Dyfus. What, what is oh, that? Oh, uh, yeah. that, it's different from state to state. I guess what okay. they call um, yeah. like child okay. protective yeah, services, yeah. child welfare yeah. services, or yeah. something. Okay. Um, so I had yeah. A case. What, what is what's going on with you as a mom of a toddler at this point? I mean, what is your I had shared custody with his dad, um, and his dad was more always like a friend. And his mom, he lived with his mom, so I mm-hmm. knew he was okay with her. So she, he spent a lot of time with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, when I was good, I was fine with him, and I still did all the things I do now as a real good mom. You know, attentive, playful. Uh, make sure he's fed, dressed, bathed, all of that stuff. But when I was sick, I was a different person. Yeah. I didn't take care of him. Mm-hmm. And so this is now seven, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, uh, does he ever bring up anything? We do talk, you? we're very open with okay. each other. All right. Yeah. Walk, walk me through that. Now that you're, you're in recovery, you're in your full, mm-hmm. most, full mode, seven years sober, how has the relationship as a mom been able to rebound, get repaired, uh, help, help me understand that dynamic. Um, he's an old soul and, um, and tough and strong yeah. and everything that you want him to be. And, uh, and so when you have these conversations with him, is it, 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 it is he lashing out ever? Is he no. blaming? Is, no. or is he, his dad passed away from heroin overdose. Mm-hmm. So, so the fact that he has you uh, still in his life, yeah, that is that cements it for him. That no, I I'm, I'm the lucky one yeah. because I have mom. Yeah, he tells me he's proud of me. Yeah, that's I, I love that. And your littlest one, uh, he's only known you this way. He's only yeah. known you sober. <laughs> Thank God. And 
And so I, I, I see your guys' connection. Yeah, so, he's a mama's boy. So talking about uh, your son, your oldest, mm-hmm. was was he your motivation then for getting clean or was it I don't want to be in jail the rest of my life? Mm-hmm. Like what, what finally convinced you I can't keep living this life? Unfortunately, no matter how much you love somebody, whether it's your kid, which is obviously the greatest love, your kid, the person that you're married to, um, your parents, it doesn't, it, um, I can't think of the word, not proceeds, but over, yeah. it goes over top of that mm-hmm. love. It doesn't matter how much you love somebody. Yep. It, it's just not a factor. And you get to the point where well, you I never know. Knew that. I never knew that. So, so you're telling me that bond isn't enough to get somebody no, clean. It's not. No, so, for some people, maybe. Well, well, the, the reason I find that so interesting is because I've got people in my life, that family members, that were like, why can't they just get, like, look what they have I know. in us as family members. Yeah. How come, are we I not good enough? I say the same thing when I see it with other yeah. people. It's very hard to understand and it, it breaks it. breaks our heart mm-hmm. thinking, are, do they not love us enough? Yeah, like, it has what, nothing to do with what, that. Okay, so yeah, what, what, is, what, what, what does it take? Do you get to the point where... Number one, you don't know how to get clean, so you keep getting high because when you're sick, you're a bad mom or a bad friend or a bad daughter, so you have to be high to be functional, so that keeps you using because you don't have another choice. Um, I did ask to go to rehab um, after... I was using heroin for about a year. I asked my dad if he, because I had a son, so I needed someone to take him for a month. So I begged. I begged to go to rehab, and I went for a month, and I was good for a while, but I didn't do the work on myself that you need to do. It's an inside job. You have to fix your soul. You have to change everything that you used to do, and I didn't do that. And so is this, is this a rehab like you went and you stayed there? I stayed there for a month. Okay. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's a, I don't know what those, inpatient. Inpatient. Okay, inpatient. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and, but voluntary? You voluntary. Weren't man, you weren't, it's not like you're no, mandated. No, not at that point. Um, mm-hmm. The Child Protective had wanted me to do outpatient, and I couldn't stay clean to pass those drug tests, so mm-hmm. I knew I needed to be inpatient. So I did stay clean for um, maybe about six months that time and relapsed. And um, are you relapsing into pain pills or are you just going straight, straight heroin? Oh, okay. Yeah. Pain pills at that point were too expensive. It wasn't an option. And okay. I was an IV user at that point. So I the sniffing something wasn't an option. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And that was it. There wasn't a question. Once that thought goes into your head, if you don't have the tools in your toolbox and you don't play the tape out, you're going for it. And it's like that overwhelming you can't shut that voice up. Tools. What What are the tools for you? Are they Are they different for everybody? For me, I um, well, let me backtrack. Okay. Because after that, I relapsed. I kept using. At this point, I was on probation. Are your parent? Is your dad done with you at this point? He's like giving you no enough chances. Okay. No, he wasn't. He always was there. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I ha- I was on probation. I had trying to think back there's so many layers of the story (laughs) so i was on probation i was kind of hiding from them passing drug tests by uh, faking it and um my probation officer had come looking for me and i was i also started stealing to support my habit and you already had a record that you didn't keep 
clean or are you? Yeah, uh, with probation, you're going to have that charge. Okay. Uh, you can get it expunged later, but that's, I had a f- I had like four felony charges. Mm-hmm. So now I, are you stealing from friends and family? Or are you breaking and entering? I What's... robbed my mother blind, all uh, of her jewelry that I could get my hands on. Oh, wow. Uh, I stole money from my parents. Both of them, they were divorced, but I mm-hmm. separately uh, stole money from them. I stole from stores all the time. Uh, that's what I got caught doing uh, I had a felony charge and at that point it wasn't really about needing the stuff it was fill me up with anything to take me out of myself yeah all the like getting high wasn't enough I needed something else mm-hmm. it was this like void just yes. black open empty and it was fill it with feelings rushes any type of way I could get so I you got did, a, you didn't want to be alone with yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. You, you didn't like what was in there and the thought there, of I wasn't, having to yeah. face yourself and deal yeah. with those. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I wasn't the person that I was supposed to be, used to be anything. There was just a shell. Yeah. Uh, so I got arrested for that and that was another felony charge. So well, you, you're not a minor anymore at that point, right? Yeah. No. Oh, no, I never yeah. was. Yeah. When I started um, really using, I so was 20. So this is serious business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. To me at the time, I didn't think it was. Hey, you're it, still a kid, you know. It wasn't yeah. anything I got my to whole me. Life yeah, it was. It was really like I just played it off like it wasn't a big deal, and I, for getting that charge, I violated probation, which is a no bail warrant. So once they find you, you don't get out until they say you can get out. Mm-hmm. So um, the sheriffs came into my apartment and took me. So that was, you know, some people have that moment of clarity um, or they asked to go to rehab like I did before. That wasn't enough for me. That was my bottom. And I had had every single person I was with that day is dead. All of them. What what, that you were partying with or hanging with or. Yeah. So you're you're literally the last one standing. Yeah. So that was my question that that I always uh, always am interested in. That was your rock bottom. Was that your rock bottom moment? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And would you say that an addict has to hit rock bottom and recognize that it's their rock bottom in order to eventually rebound? Or I could you get, could you hit it and just scrape by and eventually recover? Um, I wouldn't say that they have to have that instant because if I were to say that night instantly, I was like, I'll never do this again. Okay. It wasn't there. When I woke hmm. up the next morning, I still wasn't sure where I was at. And for a couple weeks after that, the desire doesn't go away. I wanted to go home and use what I knew was left in my room. Uh-huh. Um, it took probably like a month and a half um, before I got offered my choices. And I decided... And you're locked up this whole time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, they offered me a year in jail or drug court which is usually a five-year program. And at that point, thankfully, because I knew I could get out in a couple months and be on uh, parole, but I knew what I was going to do. Yes. So there, I had to sign up for like a lifetime commitment of being in the system or go and die. That mm-hmm. was my two options. Mm-hmm. So thankfully, I sat for a while before they even offered it to me because if they had done it sooner, I would have picked to just get out yeah. as quick as I could. And gone right back and been like the rest of your friends are at this point. Yeah. There's no way you're here. Yeah. No way you survive mm-hmm. if you had taken that other option. Yeah, for sure. I firmly believe that. So you hit your rock bottom. It's in a jail cell eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you start a 
five-year what was it what was it you were telling me I think that I I ended up graduating a little bit early because I had probation time in so they tacked that on for me but it was like a three and a half year program okay uh and did they are they the ones who taught you had mentioned tools in your toolbox Mm -hmm. so so walk me through that whole analogy and and what they're teaching you uh, while you're there okay so anyone that thinks drug court is a setup, it's a gift. Mm-hmm. It's a gift because treatment is so hard to get and it's so hard to pay for. It's so expensive. So they pay for everything. Wow. It's it's a gift. It really is. And of course you have to pay your fines and stuff, but you don't pay back nearly what they pay for for you to get. I went to a 30-day treatment. I was in jail for like four months and they, is this county lockup or where? Yeah, I mean, okay. County, yeah. Um, I went to inpatient for 30 days. I went to a halfway house for three and a half months. And that is pretty much where I learned to live because you have to cook dinner. Mm-hmm. You have to help take care of all the women living there. You go and get a job. I worked at 7 Eleven. Oh, it was all the fun. Do you it can was drink. fun. Yeah, oh. I got free stuff. I brought stuff home for the girls every yeah. night. Um, Are you cutting hair? They say, you know, all, all the, I cut hair in no, jail. No, okay. Yeah, I was getting like noodles and pies and all that stuff. Um, I never stopped cutting hair. Mm-hmm. I still, and as soon as you tell a group of girls that you know how to cut hair, oh, yes. that's the first thing oh, they want you to sure. do is cut their hair. So I was always still cutting hair um, and working at 7 Eleven. So Hashtag I did, dream job. Yeah, <laughs> it was a dream job at that point, I think. Yeah. Going through what I went through, everything was a gift because right. I didn't have anything. I didn't even have a fork in jail. You weren't allowed to have right. a fork. You didn't have anything. You saved everything. Everything that you got, you saved. You hoarded because you just didn't have anything. So you might need like MacGyver everything, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So being in the halfway house taught me how to live. Um, meetings, 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 NA, AA, whatever okay. your flavor is. Yeah. They all work. Uh, getting a sponsor, working the steps, um, and step work, it's easy to just say, oh, work the steps, but step work is God first, and then you work on yourself. You mm-hmm. have to um, some higher power. find yeah. a higher power. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't have to be God. For me, it's God. It's the universe. I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. Um, but for some people, it can be their hero it can Mm -hmm. be a tree that's giving like it can be anything but you have to believe there's something greater than yourself that is ultimately has its hands in what's going on right so i firmly believe that yeah Yeah. Uh so that's first then you have to do the work on yourself all the resentments of anybody that ever hurt you down to like the third grade bully Right. All everybody. You have to write it all out. You have to build relationships with people that have been doing it longer than you. And <clears throat> sponsorship. So are are you and your sponsor still communicating? Is that something I that... do not attend meetings. Uh-huh. I did do it for um probably like four and a half years, very, very, very regularly. In the beginning, when I got out of the halfway house I got a job at a salon under the table because I had let my license lapse. So I, um, if you don't have a job on the books with drug court, they make you do five meetings a week. So for six months, I was working full time, going to drug court once a week. It was an all day thing. 
five meetings a week plus three three hour IOP, which is uh, intensive outpatient sessions a week. Mm-hmm. So all of that, just constant, constant, constant. And I do believe that some people can stay in NA forever. It works for them. Um, more power to them. I took what I needed. I kind of, I always tell people it re-raised me because I was raised well, but then I forgot everything. I lost myself. Yeah, everything. Mm -hmm. So I was re-raised in the rooms of NA and having like lots of support from women and guidance and counseling and all of that stuff. I didn't do it to make it my life. I did it to get my life back. Yeah. So I felt like I was to a point where I didn't need to go anymore. And God willing, you know, I know where I can go if I need to. What's happening uh, while you're in jail, while you're in uh, the halfway house? Are you getting cust- Are you getting visitations from your son? When at this I was point? in jail, I opted for him not to come. Because he, he's how old at that point? Five. Okay. Yeah, he was five years old. He started kindergarten while I was in jail. Oh. So um, you, you I didn't want that. him to see me through glass. Mm-hmm. I just that memory, didn't want that right. image yep, yep. ever. So he didn't see me. Th- I talked to him every day on the phone, but he mm-hmm. didn't see me at all. And then Do you tell him at this point what's going on. He with knew where I was. OK. Yeah, he knew where I was um, at that point. He probably was just like, you know, he was there in the apartment complex with when the cops came to get me. And they were very nice to me. They treated me great. They like let me get my stuff together, let me say goodbye to him and everything. But they actually Were waited. You high at the time, of or? course. Okay. Yeah, there yeah. wasn't a time when I wasn't high, except when oh. I was knotted out on my chest. Yeah. Um, but they let me walk down the sidewalk so he didn't see me in handcuffs. Like they waited oh, till I got man. to the car. That's amazing. But obviously, cops are here yes. and mom's leaving. He knew yeah. something. I did something bad. He's seen cops on TV. You know. Um, of course, at that point, I couldn't really explain to him, but he knew that uh, things were not good. Uh, I saw him while I was in rehab. He had visits while in the halfway house. And then for about two years, I had signed over temporary custody while I was in jail. And his dad had custody on paper, but it was always his mom mm-hmm. that was taking care of him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took me a while to feel like I was stable enough and had enough money really because yeah. kids aren't free so a stable place a stable like I had apartments but I didn't want him to move from school to school so that was home base and I would drive him from Ocean City to May's Landing every morning like I had him a lot but I didn't have custody of him it wasn't like so how how long is it before you feel you could trust yourself at back as a full-time mom and being available and in, in that way was it right away the minute you got out uh, of, uh, of, the, of the halfway house or had the, did you have to get a, a better paying job? Do you have to prove to yourself, I can go X amount of days on the outside world? It, the, the urge to use was lifted. Mm. Um, probably sometime while I was in jail, probably the, around the time when I decided to take drug court something greater than me just took it Mm -hmm. because it was there. It was still there. And that's why I made that decision because I knew I still wanted to get high. But then I just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and it it was just gone. Um, I, I know I wouldn't have stayed gone if I didn't do everything I did after that, but there wasn't that desire. I've been around it multiple times. I don't recommend that, Mm -hmm. but in situations, you know, with an ex, with this person, with that person. And when you help people, 
that are addicts, you're going to be around drugs at some point in time. So for me, I just didn't want to do it because I knew where it would take me. It wasn't just going to feel good at that moment. And that was going to be it. That's not an option for me. What what then is your uh, armor? What's your, what's your safeguard when you're around uh, all of this? I don't want to call it temptation because I don't, I don't feel like you're on the slippery slope, but you're around familiar uh, demons. Yeah. So how, how do you put up with it when you're around it and say, you know, that's, um, just dismiss it. I play the tape out mm-hmm. and just, I don't, I don't ever forget how bad I was because I know that every time I've relapsed, it's got, it doesn't like take me a while to get to the same point. I'm at that same point, pick up where I left off and I get worse wow. every single time. So I know there's not a one day option for me to just go have fun or whatever you would want to call it. Besides the fact that I'm so scared of what is out there now, Mm -hmm. seven years ago, it wasn't the same ingredient or chemical or whatever it is. There's death wasn't as prevalent then as it is now. Not that it was okay then either. It's I'm terrified. Like I get sick to my stomach thinking about even touching it because I've heard of people overdosing from touching the wrong Mm -hmm. stuff. So fear, you know, it's not fear based, but I'm a good scared. Yeah. yeah, I'm scared to even touch it besides the fact that I don't want to. But I have a lot of people in my life that um, I've attended meeting with. Either they still attend or they don't, but we still have that same bond and we're still clean together. Um, I'm very transparent, like extremely. Okay. And I don't mince my words I don't hide my story um and I think that helps that secrets keep you sick so I'm I have a lot of people rooting for me Mm -hmm. um do you feel like and and we're gonna wrap this up here in a little bit Mm -hmm. Uh, and we're gonna wrap it up on a high note by the way Uh, a good note (laughs) no pun intended there uh but uh did you feel like when when you were addicted were you blaming others for your addiction? Did was it something inwardly? Did you did you ever feel like they got me into this or? Uh... Not particularly. Um, I think that some people can party and then wake up the next day and go to work and all week they're mm-hmm. fine and then the weekends they party. I don't blame. I chose. I didn't have to say yes to anything. I made the conscious choice to use whatever I was using at the time. Um, Of course, at that time, I justified the hell out of it and blamed people in the way, like, I can take what I want because they did this and they don't even care about me. And I justified a lot of things. Yeah, Yeah, but I don't, I don't blame anybody, um, if you blame people, I just learned this last week from somebody. If you blame people, even if they fix it, you're still holding on to that. Like, but I know what you did and I'm still blaming you. It's hurting you. Like right. the resentments, that's fourth step. You got to let go of all the resentments. And I still do that on a daily basis. You have to. I need to keep peace in myself. Forgiveness is not for other people. It's for you. Because you have to walk around with it. You could hate somebody and they don't even know. And you're hurting over it. Mm-hmm. So 
I just, um, you know, the daily reprieve. I don't, everything I learned in meetings and um, the, the program itself is still here just because I don't go. I still right. know everything that I learned and what's, I use it. What's the best tool in your toolbox? <sighs> your go-to tool. Um, humility. Humility is probably okay. the biggest one. Can you explain that a little bit for me? Um, like I said earlier, just never forgetting where I'm only one bag away yeah. all the time from where I was and like snap, yeah. I'm snapping my fingers. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's it, It'll go that quick. I can't forget. And I do forget sometimes because life is good now. Right. So it's easy to just say like, I got this, like mm-hmm. I'm fine. But I can't, I can't ever forget that. And my second one would be my peoples that I talk to. Mm-hmm. I vent and vent and vent and talk yeah. and talk and talk and talk because that's where the answer always lies. I can usually answer my own questions if someone listens to me long enough. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, all right. Uh, before I before I wrap this up, uh, you got nothing to be ashamed about. Thanks. Um, a lot to be proud about. Thank you. And we're proud of you. Thanks. What are you most proud about, uh, given where you're at at this point in your life? Um, I feel kind of shallow saying a material thing, but probably being a homeowner. No, that's, that's <laughs> you, you're sitting in jail 12, <laughs> yeah. 10 years ago, and you're th- thinking, oh, a decade from now, you're going to be a homeowner. I wanted to die. Yeah. I right. didn't want to live, so... Mm-hmm. So everything really is a gift because I didn't even think that I deserved. Like I wanted, I was hoping every time I got high that I would die. So mm. anything now was like, wow, look at that. But I have a big home and it's beautiful and I have a huge backyard. And my kids love it and they're yeah. happy. And you can see deer. Yes. Yes. I have like 15 deer in my backyard every day. I have chickens. You have a pool. I have a pool. That you can now swim in. Yeah. <laughs> A lot some, of work. Had some chemical issues yeah. Uh, yeah. heading into the summer, but she figured it out. Yeah. Uh, well, it's uh, a good life. It, it is. You made it a good life, and uh, it certainly could have gone a, a number of different ways. Yeah, so I'm not a statistic. You're not. Uh, let's hope you become a, a new statistic of, of the survivors, and that that, I hope that so. dominates. I hope that number keeps increasing. Can I, uh, I always ask 10 questions at the end of a podcast. I'd like to do it today too. Okay. I can't, I can't ask follow-up questions like I have been. Okay. They just, I just got to ask them. I don't think you know these questions. So are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then we'll finish with this. Okay. Okay. Uh, which superpower would you most like to have? Invisibility. Visibility. What is your personal motto? Hmm. Stay strong. Stay strong. Other than where you live now, which you've just talked about how amazing it is. Actually, I want to change my personal motto. Okay. I got this. I got this. That is. All it's right. on my bracelet. Okay. I can't believe uh, it's, didn't come well, it's not a tattoo? First. Not huh? yet. It's not a tattoo. No, I have a lot of, okay. I have a lot of words on ha- me. Not hashtag that, I got this. I have no regrets on my foot. All right. Uh, other than where you live now, where else in the world would you most like to live? You have the whole world to choose from. I'm a homebody. I don't want to go anywhere else. Is See, that an option? Yeah, heck yeah, I, it's an yes, option. That's my okay. serenity. Yeah. Uh, who is the celebrity you'd most like to meet one day? Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Deadpool. <hot>. Uh, which <laughs> words or phrases do you most overuse? Like, literally. 
<laughs> Wait till you see the transcript for this uh, podcast. We've probably had a, a number of those. Uh, which sound or noise do you love? My kids laughing. Which sound or noise do you hate? Them screaming. Uh, I was going to say, <laughs> them fighting. Yeah, All right. Uh, what profession other than your own would you have been good at or at least have wanted to try? A lawyer for sure. I was thinking 7-Eleven owner. Oh, that's, I don't want to own anything. Okay, I know okay. that side right. of things. Uh, what do you consider your greatest achievement? Um, my babies. And if heaven indeed exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? I'm glad you made it. <laughs> well, we're glad you made it. Glad you made it here. Glad you're part of Sport Clips. We could have gotten into so many different things, how you got to Sport Clips, how you got hired. But I basically wanted to hear from you on uh, your heart, on, on how, how you're here. And, and we love you. And uh, appreciate the time today. Thanks Thank for joining you. us. Thanks, thanks so much. Thanks, everybody. We'll do this again. And uh, that's been another edition of the Sport Clips Hall of Fame podcast. Hope you tune in next time. Bye-bye.